Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Our guest today, Dr. Nicole Chirska, founder of Into Action Coaching, is a scientist who has turned herself into a career coach, specifically helping women in science and technology to get noticed in their companies and grow their careers. Dr. Chirska studied food chemistry and holds a PhD in chemistry. Early in her career, she was having her own issues at work and hired a career coach. After a few sessions, the results were so amazing that she decided to make it her life's work to do the same for other women in STEM and tech. She became certified as a positive psychology coach and now helps women become influential at work, unlock opportunities for themselves in their STEM careers, and find a renewed love for their work. Nicole, welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me, Emily. Well, this should be a little bit different from what we normally do, because I don't think we've ever had a career coach on the show. Ooh, exciting. Are you specifically a STEM-only career coach? How does that work? There's no bouncer at the at the door of my email inbox. <laughs> yeah, but um, so um, anyone who wants to learn and grow is welcome to work with me. However, it's more important to specialize the areas in terms of work. So oftentimes people come to me at the time in their career when they either find themselves unemployed or they wanna they wanna change companies. So I know nothing about job search and the job search market and resume writing. There are other experts for that. But what I do help people with and what is really my jam is how to continue to grow and develop professionally within your current company so that you basically you find more career fulfillment there and also Mm -hmm. bigger opportunities, whatever that might be for you. Well, I know your background is in chemistry. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and you know where you're from and a little bit about your career path? Yeah, sure. So I'm from Germany. I studied in Dresden, that is in Saxony, and I studied food chemistry. And yeah, I really always liked that it was so real life, you know, so it's mm-hmm. but basically <laughs> we were analyzing yogurt and things like this in the lab. So it was, mm-hmm. it, it was so, so applicable. And then mm-hmm. to do my PhD, I went to Hamburg and I did it in the cosmetics industry, researching deodorants, which was also a ton of fun. Plus it was my first contact with being in the industry, in the corporate world. And again, it was a field that was super applicable. So that always, that always resonated with me a lot compared to doing front end research on completely new, new things and topics. Yeah. Because these are things that we use in, in real mm-hmm. life. We use, of course, we're eating food every day and all these products that we're using every day. We we're always like using them and kind of wondering what's in them, wondering what makes them up. So that's what you were working in? Exactly. And then 
basically my first real job in the industry was in consumer goods innovation. So not really analyzing or understanding the products, but really developing new flavors. We made these like little energy products. So, you know, like energy drinks, but without the water basically and the sugar, but still like a kind of caffeinated pick me up, so to speak. Yeah. And it was just... It was just really cool understanding what people would like, um, in what situations they might need it, experimenting with a lot of different flavors. And then, you know, ultimately working together with the marketing team to come up with a brand and then, yeah, put it on the shelves. And I think, yeah, it's just really, it was a really fun time. Yeah. I mean, that sounds extremely interesting and fun. And it sounds like it would be a great place to work, was it? Yeah, absolutely. But what was your experience like as a woman in STEM? Being out in the field, being in the workplace, did you find that being a woman was causing you any any challenges or was it completely not something you noticed? I wonder if it was just some of my traits or me being junior or if it was being a woman. I wasn't really sensitized that much to that topic back then. Because, uh, you know, during my PhD, I had a boss who was so, so supportive of women. So I, I never really felt that. And that is why I wasn't even on the lookout for that. It just was, it just wasn't a thing in my own head. But of yeah. course, there were situations where I, I was doing a great job. Everybody told me so. I was delivering on all of my projects. And still there were moments when at one time I had been working with my colleague from marketing and like putting up a whole ingredient strategy and so on. And we've been working on this for really quite a long time and we're really, we're getting places. And then one day I remember there was the director standing of the, of that function standing in my office and just saying, yeah. And when that new hire comes in, she can finally, you know, set up an ingredient strategy. And it's like, what have I been doing all that time? And that new hire, she was also a food chemist and she was also a woman, but she had 10 years experience on me. And so that was one moment where, where I felt overlooked. And I mean, we got to work on different product categories in the end. So, you know, we each had our own playground, if you will. Mm -hmm. That was then fine for me. But then when a few months later, they brought in an older guy to assist me. And so I could learn from him. That's when I really felt patronized. And I was like, mm. I'm sorry, what have I been doing all of this time? And interestingly enough, he came on board and he, it just wasn't the right environment for him. You know, he was used to and really thrived in s slow paced, longer term research. And we were in this high paced product innovation, quick, quick, quick project, project, project environment and he he couldn't wrap his head around a product category as well and you can imagine it's like i mean they bring him in they think all of these wonders that he will be able to do and me who had proved herself over and mm -hmm. over again i mean of course i had to learn still things that was definitely a moment where i was like oh no why yeah <laughs> and i mean you recognized within yourself that you did have the capabilities and the experience to do the work is that sometimes a problem for women that they don't even, they're not even able to recognize that, even though they may have the capabilities? I think it's just the expectations towards themselves. So they know what they're capable of and they know what they can do. But yesterday I had a workshop with a few women where we were talking about, you know, how to 
present ourselves and how to introduce ourselves without using an, a stiff elevator pitch. And uh, in the introduction round, I just asked each and every one of them, okay, so it's like, why are you here? Why does this topic resonate with you? And each and every one of them said, yeah, you know, I have 12, 15, 25 years experience in my field. You know, you would think that I'm convinced that I'm an expert, but really not. And I guess it's just, they do know what they can do. And when you ask them for their successes and the value that they provide, they can share it. It's just mm -hmm. that somehow there's always this striving for more and there's more excellence and there's more to achieve. And I guess it's just a matter of learning to hold space for both. So really standing grounded in your current achievements and successes and really knowing like this is who I am and what I can do. And I'm hungry for more at the same time. Yeah. Well, so you were at that point in your career and they were bringing someone in and you felt patronized because this mm. person didn't, wasn't necessarily more skilled or much more experienced than you. What did you do? Was that the point at which you thought to bring in a career coach for yourself or was that later? No, that was actually a point where I, I was so, <laughs> I was so fueled by anger, mm -hmm. but I used all of that energy to develop to learn even more, like to develop the skills that weren't quite there yet and to really step up and show up even better. Mm -hmm. So that was that point. And that moment about where I sought help from a coach that was actually to help me get out of a bore out situation. So there was a time when there was a merger in the company where I worked. And due to that, many projects were put on hold. There was a lot of restructuring going on and well, to cut the story short, basically, for about one and a half years, I was working at only 10% of my capacity, which was mm. horrible because yeah. I really liked being busy. And mm -hmm. yeah, it basically got to a point where I couldn't take it anymore. And I had to pull the emergency brake and say, okay, I, I need help. I keep crying in the office of my boss, asking him to help me. He couldn't do anything. Like I, I thought I had tried everything. And it didn't get any better. And so that's when I sought the help of a coach. And within four sessions, it's like I started to get my energy back. I started to knock on new doors internally and pursue new avenues instead of just asking my boss. And I was just so amazed to say, how did he do that to me? I want to be able to do that too for people. And that's when I started coaching training. And what happens in a session? So I've never had a mm -hmm. career coach before, and this is very interesting to me. What happens in a session when someone's sitting with, with you or with, or as you were sitting with your coach? So it really depends on what a coach, for example, specializes in. Some you hire for a very clear, specific goals. So let's say a coach on negotiation, for example, then they have their clear steps to help you build yourself up and build your own you know, salary negotiation strategy up and they take you through that specific process because, because that is what you hired them for. But then there's also other coaches who work much more openly. It's like, okay, whatever topic you have, you can bring to me. And it's much more to an even greater extent client-led. But bottom line is coaching is listening closely, reflecting back to you what you say and asking thoughtful questions to help you broaden your perspective and uncover your inner resources and come up with new ideas and strategies and really help you to be very concrete in what you're going to try next and what your next step is. 
Or sometimes, you know, when it's about you feeling a bit lost in your life, then people who or coaches who focus on helping you with your mission and vision, then it's really more about uncovering all of that insight that is muddled up somewhere inside of you. So there are really very different ways, but it's there's always this component of asking thoughtful questions. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're more directive than other times and basically helping bring out the best in you. Speaking of the best, you're a positive psychology coach. And I'm just wondering what that is because I can't imagine there's a negative psychology <laughs> coach out there, right? Yeah. So what, what is exactly is a positive yeah. psychology coach? Yeah. Positive psychology is a discipline of psychology, which focuses on, to say very simply, what makes life worth living. So before that birth or that focus on those aspects, you know, what helps us thrive, what helps us flourish, both in life and at work and in our relationships and so on. Before that, psychology was very much focused on the clinical aspects. So if somebody had an illness or mental health issue, so if they were, let's say, deviating to the negative space from the norm, and how do we treat and help those people so that they can get back to the norm? So that is very valid and important work. But people felt that there was an aspect missing, which is, okay, how do we, how do actually people who are doing exceptionally well, despite struggle and despite setbacks, and still they, they really thrive and flourish? Like mm -hmm. what strategies are they, how are they doing that? And that is what positive psychology, that discipline started to research and identify multiple elements that contribute to that. It's, you could basically say it's happiness research. And from all of those research insights, we have a ton of recommendations and things that we can use. And so it's a very growth-oriented way of looking at things. Yeah, growth mindset. I love that. Well, our audience in the Hazard Girls Facebook group and, of course, Hazard Girls podcast is women in largely male-populated fields. Mm -hmm. And we talk about careers all the time, of course. And something very common that comes up is being unhappy in your job because you feel underappreciated. And this is exactly what you were talking about a few moments ago. So when this happens, do you recommend that women start looking for something new when they feel like this? What is the first step that you recommend? It is truly common. However, if you're not openly discriminated against or in a really very toxic environment, then I think it's worthwhile holding off on finding a new position because you might just be kicking the can, you know, you might start mm -hmm. off in a new position and then over time have these same issues in that new area as well, because you've never focused on building the skills or, um, you know, discovering the strategies that work for you. So to change that, you know, to really stand out and get noticed and get appreciated and recognized for everything that you bring. And that is why I think it's worthwhile using the bandwidth that you have now that you know how to do your job and, you know, you got all your, your routines fairly settled, using that bandwidth that you have for a booster in professional development. Okay. Can you talk a little bit more about that? So where do we get this bandwidth and, and how do we know how to take those steps, mm -hmm. what we should do? Because I think, you know, if I'm feeling underappreciated in my job, I'm definitely going to be thinking, how do I get out of here? So what are some steps we can take? So the bandwidth comes typically about one and a half years into your role. So at the beginning, everything is new. 
and you might feel a bit overstretched and overwhelmed. You still have to build your network and get to know the people and know how to get work done in that role. But about one and a half years in, you, you're really settled. You know what to do day in and day out. You, you start to get creative and inventive with how you get about, you go about your work. And so there's, there's not that incredible stretch anymore mm -hmm. from, from that perspective. And so like when you learn to drive a car that at the beginning you're so focused on like, okay, where's, where's the accelerator? Where's the brake? Was like, where, how mm -hmm. do I like, I don't know, look, when do I look in the mirror? Where's the mirror even? And over time, as you practice that more and more, that becomes so automatic for you or unconscious almost, you're just doing it. And so that you can focus on, you know, driving onto the highway and like overtaking other people and things like that. So this is the same moment, basically, that we get to about one and a half years into a new role. And that is the moment when we can start looking into, first of all, are there things that I can learn to make my work even better to reach a new level of excellence? So let's say you are a project manager somewhere. You know, you can get inventive with like, okay, how can I get better at my stakeholder management so that everybody really feels well taken care of? Or how can I improve my communication skills so we have less resistance in the organization for when we ask them to do something? Same for the communication. You know, you might be a research scientist or an engineer and you want to present your findings. And you notice that oftentimes you get so many questions or you rush through your presentations. And so you can think, okay, how can I make this more tailored to the audience and to different mm -hmm. audiences so that it resonates better and people take more action on what I want them to do? These are just some very small examples. Other things, especially if you want to move into a leadership position, it is worthwhile to, to start practicing. Okay. It's like, how much do I actually understand how the business works and how each of the different functions fit together? Or how well can I navigate company politics? And can I lead even, you know, sideways? Like, what are some little leadership skills that, that I can practice here in the, in the calm water, so to speak, before they, they're really put to a test when I start leading a team? That is what I mean. Hmm. So instead of just giving up on a job, just you actually should be digging in further, finding different categories where you can improve and just really working on yourself in each of these categories and just kind of forwarding yourself within the same company. That should be the first thing that you do. Yeah, exactly. And if you feel that underappreciated, then maybe building the skills of self-representation would be the first thing to start, you know? It's like, so how do you show up? How do you connect with people? How do you talk about yourself and the work that you do so that people clock it as something noteworthy? How do you advocate for yourself? Do you even have a stage that you, you know, build for yourself or, or are you always shy and leaning back in meetings and never sharing anything? And then, I mean, maybe you are the world's best kept secret in your company and <laughs> it's, the, it's yeah. a good opportunity for you to learn how to change that. In the Hazard Girls Facebook group, we have something called Hashtag Friday Wins. Mm -hmm. And we do that because as women, you know, we're off, often afraid to brag. And I had a guest from the group on the show. And she had just received this wonderful honor. She was recognized by the state, two state governments. And I said, Hey, don't forget to post in the Friday wins. And she was like, Oh, I don't want to brag. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, Oh, come on. <laughs> All right, I'll brag for you. I mean, do men do this? And is this something that we need to be concerned about? It is something that we should shake. Okay, so 
there are moments also when when I think like, yeah, okay, this wasn't noteworthy. But then again, this is also something that I started to really view differently ever since I got trained in positive psychology is that those small wins, they count. So they elicit positive emotions in ourselves. They just make us feel better. They give us a sense of achievement, which is really important and show us that we're making progress. Mm -hmm. And actually sharing these things with other people who care about us also lets them participate in our happiness. And then they're happy too, just because we did something good. And, you know, why not share that? I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. That's why we do the Friday wins. Yes. Okay. I'm so glad to hear this from an expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we really need to shake that. I mean, you can always see how you want to balance this out. You know, it's like if you feel, okay, I'm really talking too much about myself here and this is not how I am and what I want to do. Instead of dialing down, talking about yourself, why not balancing that out with talking positively and highlighting others' achievements mm. in an equal measure, you know? So for every win that you share about yourself, you make sure that you find an opportunity to highlight a win of someone else or just, you know, something that they did or show off your gratitude or things like this. So, you know, it's not about putting us down, but... Like we can talk ourselves up and if we don't want to be the only ones up there, like we can talk others up too. Yeah. I love that idea. Now we talk a lot about imposter syndrome mm -hmm. and we all know what this is by now. It's when you feel like you don't really belong in your job, like you've somehow been allowed to have it by mistake, but you're not really supposed to be there. And it's something that women deal with, but I know you don't like that label, right? You don't like the label imposter syndrome. Can you tell us why? Yeah, because a label, I mean, it can be helpful to the extent that when you feel off and you can't put a finger as to why, then having a label and a description can give you some relief as like, ah, mm -hmm. it has a name. Okay, that's it. You know, it's like there's this concept of name it to tame it, mm -hmm. where you just, you give something a name and then it becomes a bit more tangible and it's not this fuzzy, unknown weird thing that is going on that you can't describe however yeah, yeah. <laughs> however if we start to over identify with that label you know it can easily become either it starts to feel like a diagnosis you know it's like oh mm. I, I have imposter syndrome i'm sorry I, I just i just can't do this just my imposter syndrome is stopping <laughs> me from this i'm exaggerating yeah. here yeah nobody's doing that on purpose but it can happen to us yeah. Or we use it as an excuse, you know, it's like, this just isn't helpful. Plus, going back to my car analogy, you know, let's say you're sitting in a car and you want to drive straight, but you look out the window to your right, you can only go straight for so long. So that's the same thing. Like if we, we're moving towards what we're looking at. And if all we're looking at is our imposter syndrome, that, that then this is the only thing our brain sees and knows and say, oh, okay, we're going to spend more time here. Instead, I was like, okay, let's, okay, we, we gave it a name. Now let's put that aside and start focusing on other things. You know, there are so many more elements to us and what makes us feel confident, what makes us feel like we're doing something meaningful, what gives us joy, where we can use our strengths. There's so much more to explore. And as a byproduct, the imposter syndrome goes away over time. Well, not goes away completely. Yeah. So that's another thing we could just, you know, it's always going to be 50, 50. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just have to 
learn to get comfortably uncomfortable. Oh, I like that. Confidently uncomfortable. We hear a lot about women in STEM talking about how they often, not that they're afraid to speak up, but maybe they didn't speak up at a certain time. Mm -hmm. Like they were in a meeting and they wish they had said something, but they kept silent. Why do we do that? And how can we put a stop to doing that? Yeah, why do we do that? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's uh, coming back again to that whole negative self-talk or those to those extremely high standards and thinking, you know, it's like, who am I to say something here? Do I even know that for, for sure? And especially in the scientific area where we, where we are trained and raised basically to always have a bunch of data to substantiate our claims. And when we're in business meetings, oftentimes many things are discussed based on expertise and opinion because we don't have years of research to back it up because we don't have the time to do all of that research because the company needs to be moving forward. And so that sometimes makes us hesitate or the discussion goes too quickly for us to be able to process things and think through at our own pace. And mm. so what I always recommend is prepare. The least you can prepare is asking thoughtful questions. And if you do nothing else, make sure you ask one of the questions that you have prepared up front. Another thing that you can do is basically get really clear on, okay, you know what the topic is. You kind of know already what all the others are going to be saying. So get really clear on what are your opinions and why do you think that and have like a little short statement prepared for each so that again, it's like when the time comes and one of them fits, you can just start bringing it up, getting prepared and having, you know, kind of like decoupling the thought process from the moment when you have to say those words often helps a lot of people. Thank you, Nicole. And where can our listeners find you? Where can they get in touch and hear more about Into Action Coaching? Yeah. So my favorite social media platform is LinkedIn. So you can find me there. Then, yeah, obviously that's uh, the interactioncoaching.de is my uh, normal website. What I really recommend everyone to jump on the train basically is my free masterclass series. It's called Women in STEM Reimagined and it's coming up every March and September and it's a week long kind of professional development almost for you to have. That sounds like an amazing class. And you said it's in March and September? Yeah. I'm definitely putting that in my calendar. And any last thoughts you'd like to share with our audience? Always remember what you already can do as women in STEM, which is hypothesize and experiment and adjust according to what you find. And this is a really great skill and approach to have in life. And yeah, so don't, don't think you have to know everything, but treat also your career and your professional development like a series of tiny little experiments. Oh, a series of experiments. Perfect for a scientist. Well, Dr. Nicole Chierska, this has been really eye-opening. And I know a lot of our listeners will be thinking a lot more about this and implementing some of your advice. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks, Emily. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>